Now, if you'll turn to John 13, and let me say, if you're visiting with us today, you chose a good Sunday to come, uh, primarily because my sermon is much shorter on these, um, these Lord's Supper Sundays. And, and let me tell you why. Um, I cut my sermon short because we want to concentrate on this sacrament. Because we believe that the gospel is, in, is never more clearly preached than it is preached on the Sundays when we have this sacrament. Jimmy Young can, can confuse you. Jimmy Young can be obnoxious. I'm glad you didn't applaud that. But um, <laughs> Jimmy Young can make all kinds of mistakes. But there can be no mistake about the message sent from this sacrament. That the centerpiece of all the Christian message is the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ. So if you leave here confused when I preach, I, I'm sorry. But if you leave here confused today, it's your fault. It's simply because there's nothing more simple, simpler than the message that we get from this sacrament. So every month we, um, we observe this simple sacrament by which the gospel is preached. Now, here as I read from John chapter 13, beginning at verse 21, I'll read a very familiar event uh, through verse 26. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples whom Jesus loved was reclining at table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So the, that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas the son of Simon Iscariot. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, this word, this endures forever. Guys, it is unclear from the New Testament um, whether or not Judas was still seated at the table when this sacrament was instituted. My best guess is that he was not. And I base that on Matthew's account and the sequence that he unfolds there. So um, that means that Judas has just left right after this exchange that we've read, and then Jesus institutes this supper. At the Passover meal that preceded this, there were 13 people at the table, but now there are only 12. We even know their names. The New Testament gives us their names. Two of the names, of course, were John and Judas. Judas had just hours before arranged to betray Jesus Christ. So those two men sat at the same table. Those two men had both had their feet washed by Jesus. And had you been invited to that meal, you might not have been able to determine which was the better of the two men. But one of these men 
wrote the book of John. The other one hanged himself. One of these men was a devil. The other writes the book of Revelation. Now, guys, um, here's, a, here's a, a hard fact that we cannot ignore. Then, and that is that in every audience gathered to take this meal, there have always been John's and Judas's, even at the original one. That is, at least at the Passover meal, there were John's and Judas's. So in this audience, lots of John's. Are there any Judas's? Maybe. There is, of course, it's made clear who's who by Jesus with this morsel that he dipped in the cup. But it was interesting to me in this little story that the one who was least likely to be the traitor was the one sitting closest to Jesus. And the one sitting closest to Jesus, which of course was John, is the one that got the information that was told some of these redemptive secrets. So there may be something really advantageous to being as close to Jesus as you could uh, and not distant. And then the other thing that has always intrigued me is that when Jesus told, me, told this audience, this little crowd of 12 or 13 at the time, that somebody's going to betray me, they all wondered, who could it possibly be? I mean, is it I, Lord? The other, the other gospel writers say that they all asked, is it I? Gang, I, I hope this will be of some comfort to you. But even the men who had followed him around for three years and were seated at the table, had their feet washed, there was a, there was a smidgen of doubt even in their own minds. Lord, could I do something like that? Well, I think we all have the potential, do we not? But, but, but guys... We're all still marveling that we are loved by the God of the heavens and the earth. We're still aware that we are so undeserving of that. And so when the Savior says somebody's going to betray me, we wonder, wait a minute. Even I have that potential. But folks, the tendency is, if you are not willing to ask that question, it is spawned by a sense of your own presumption. Gang, people who know of their sin know that we have the potential to commit some very heinous things. But people who are drunk on their own self-righteousness, they're saying, well, it might be that crowd out there. But it wouldn't be me, because I'm, 
I'm, uh, I'm fine. I, I have all kinds of things to commend myself to God. So, ladies and gentlemen, here's what I'm saying. Doubt will not ruin you. But presumption will. Presuming that all is well with my soul when it isn't, that'll ruin you. But wondering how God could love someone as undeserving as I and knowing my potential for sin, that, ladies and gentlemen, will not ruin you. So, one of the things that this sacrament gives us is an opportunity to ask ourselves, Lord, is it I? Lord, am I right now trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ and that only? Or do I still feel like there's enough goodness in me that it will propel me right through the gates into heaven? Because, ladies and gentlemen, it is only that former crowd who's invited to this table. It is only the crowd who understands that apart from the finished work of Christ, I am ruined. I know my potential for sin, but I have been forgiven because of the perfection of His finished work on my behalf. That other crowd, the Judas types, who are full of presumption, Folks, this table is not for you. That's not because Gracie Van has a rule to keep you away. It's because the New Testament says that this is a family celebration. So, if you are having examined yourself, trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ and that only, come join me at this table. But if that is not you yet, stay away for your own good. That is the, the admonition of the Scriptures. This is for only thus of, those of us who know that apart from Christ, we are ruined. But in Christ, we are safe. Let's pray together. Our Father, would you meet us at this table and remind us again that there is only one remedy for sin, and it's the remedy that you provided in the sent one, the Savior himself, the one whose life and death means life and eternal life for us. Meet us here, O oh God, and remind us of those things so crucial to our eternities. We ask it, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen.